0: I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm, I'm on, the on the everlasting, rock. everlasting rock. I faith I'm in Christ, my redeemer, king. I'm on, on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Oh,
1: I know the Lord. I know the Lord. I know the Lord laid his hands on me. Yes, I know. Listen, I know the Lord. Hands on me, we'll take King Jesus by the hand. I know the Lord laid his hands on me.
2: Do you know the Lord? Has he laid his hand on you? Do you belong to him? I hope you can answer those questions with a resounding yes. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Voice of Hope. This program is produced by Heralds of Hope. We're an international media ministry sharing the good news of Jesus Christ around the world in English and 25 other languages. And I'm J. Mark Horst, your friend and Bible teacher. Before I go further, I want to encourage you with the response from a listener in the country of Pakistan. At Heralds of Hope, we broadcast into this region of the world in the Pashto language. Here is what one listener wrote. I am married and my wife and son live with me. One day, I learned about a local church and I began going there with my son so we could learn about God. I began to read the Bible and my interest grew over time. I attended the church with my son every week for four months. The government, that's the government of Afghanistan, was overthrown in August of 2021, so we illegally crossed the border into Pakistan with 13 other families. I had a lot of difficulties at that time. I was thinking about all my troubles on the day that I was listening to the Heralds of Hope broadcast. I then realized that God was the only one who could provide for me and my family. My wife and all my children eventually embraced the gospel. What an amazing testimony! Praise God! Another biological family has entered a new spiritual family, the family of God. If you're tuning in for the first time, I want you to know that we recently began a new series of study in the Gospel of Mark. You've only missed a couple of episodes, and you can catch up with them whenever you want by visiting our website, heraldsofhope.org. Our study today will focus on Mark chapter 1 in verses 9 to 15. I've titled this study, Preparing the Son of Man, and I hope you can stay with me. Mark's style of writing is quite different from the other gospel accounts. He moves the narrative along at a fast pace and he omits a lot of details that the other gospel writers include. And yet I find in his simple way of writing a lot that I can meditate on. When I first started looking at the portion of scripture for our study today, I thought it would only take one program to develop the theme of the text. But then the more I got into it, the more I found additional points of meaning and application. It has really enriched my understanding of what's happening in this text and how it applies to you and me today. So just before my teaching from Mark's Gospel, here are the men with a prayer song.
0: Give ear to my words, O Lord. see. Conce-
2: In the early 2000s, George W. Bush was president in the United States, and it must have been around 2003 or 2004 when he was invited to speak at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And Joyce and I were attending that event at the Opryland Hotel and Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee. One of the things that I remember about that experience was the security surrounding the event. As you might imagine, the President didn't just show up and walk in the door. There was an advanced security team that did a thorough sweep through the hotel and the convention center. It was only after they were satisfied that there were no threats, that the President was allowed to enter the building, and then only flanked by members of his Secret Service security detail. And then everyone who went into the hall where the President was going to speak had to go through a metal detector. We happened to have our infant daughter with us, and I remember how carefully they searched our stroller. Now, just imagine how it would have been if, when the time came for the president's speech to the people who were attending the convention, if the moderator had introduced the head of the security team instead of the president. I know you'd say, that's crazy. That's not how it works. And you'd be right. The presence of the security team announced that someone important was coming. But the focus wasn't on them. The focus wasn't on the security team. It was on the president. As we learned in our previous study, Mark's Gospel begins with a joyous declaration of the good news of the divine King, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, when we use the word Gospel, we're generally referring to one of two things. We may be talking about the four Gospels, that is, the records of Jesus' life and ministry. Or we may be referring to the gospel message, the good news of salvation through Jesus. But you know, Mark's audience had a different understanding of the word. And that's because the word gospel was not an inherently religious word. It was used in the first century to signify the ascension of a king to his throne. And so Mark's Gentile readers would have immediately made the connection between the use of this word and the announcement of a coming king or a coming sovereign. And yet by his name and title, Jesus Christ, and by his identification as the Son of God, Mark's audience would have also understood that this coming king was no ordinary earthly monarch. In their understanding of the gospel concept, the king was always preceded by a royal herald, a royal messenger. He was authorized by the king, and it was his responsibility to proclaim the coming king and to prepare the way before him. You know, that's exactly what we saw in our previous study with the introduction of John the Baptist. He was the forerunner, he was the herald, the messenger that was announcing the coming of the King, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the focus wasn't on him, it wasn't on John the Baptist, but it was on the King who was about to make his appearance. He was preparing the way for Jesus. But you know, there were also some preparations that Jesus needed to make. And those preparations will be the focus of our study this time. Preparing the Son of Man. Our text is Mark chapter 1 and verses 9 to 15. So listen carefully as I read. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts. And the angels ministered to him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. From these verses, we can observe the important processes that are involved in preparing the Son of Man. And those processes are also an important part of our preparation when we share the good news. The processes that we'll examine are approbation, authentication, and proclamation and we won't be able to discuss all of them today, and so this will be a two-part teaching. The first process that we want to look at that's involved in preparing the Son of Man is his approbation. Now, approbation has a similar meaning to the word approval, but it also carries with it more than that. It has the ideas of admiration, commendation, and praise. I think you'll understand why I chose this word as we continue through our teaching. And I believe that Jesus' approbation is received from both God and men. Here's the setting. John is baptizing people in the Jordan River on the basis of their repentance and their confession of sin. Jesus travels from Nazareth of Galilee so he can be baptized by John. Now, the site where John was baptizing hasn't been identified beyond all reasonable doubt. We don't know exactly where it was but we do know that Jesus most likely traveled a significant distance, perhaps as much as 50 to 75 miles, to the vicinity of Jericho. According to John's Gospel, John the Baptist said, I did not know him, that is Jesus, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So either John had never met Jesus in person, or it had been such a long time since a previous meeting that he wouldn't recognize Jesus in the crowd. You know, common people didn't travel long distances in those days for vacations or family reunions. We know that Jesus didn't need repentance and confession of sin. He was God in the flesh. So why would he come to John for baptism? Matthew's account tells us that John didn't want to baptize Jesus. He felt unworthy, and he refused repeatedly to do it. Here was the sinless Son of God coming to him, John, a sinner, to be baptized. It didn't make any sense to him. And so he said to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, no, we need to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. What did Jesus mean by that? Well for one thing we don't know much at all about Jesus from his early childhood until he appears at John's baptism. We have the one incident in the temple when he was 12 years old talking with the doctors and teachers of the law. That's it. So this baptism is Jesus reemergence onto the public stage you might say. According to Hebrews 7:26 our savior is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. And yet here was his public identification with us as sinners. Jesus didn't need to be baptized for repentance, but he set an example for us. God had sanctioned John's baptism, and that was enough for Jesus to participate. Is it also possible that John was taking some of that water from the Jordan, symbolically polluted by the sins of the people that he had baptized, and baptizing Jesus with that polluted water if that's the case then this baptism is symbolic of the cross where he took our sins on himself and remember Jesus did refer to the cross in Luke 12:50 as a baptism that i must be baptized with so john overcomes his initial reluctance and he baptizes Jesus as far as we know this is the only in-person meeting between john and jesus Immediately, and by the way, that's one of Mark's favorite words, several things happened, and they happened simultaneously. As Jesus was coming up out of the water after his baptism, the heavens were opening up, and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, was descending on him. In addition, a voice is heard from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved, therefore in you I take delight we have here a clear expression of the triunity of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, can you see why I chose the word approbation over approval? God did more than just approve of what Jesus did. It was more than a pat on the back, or a fist bump, or an attaboy. It was more like an embrace, coupled with a verbal blessing. He called him Beloved and he expressed his delight in him. There was admiration, there was commendation, and there was praise in these words from God the Father. And you know, later the Father had a similar yet different message for the three disciples of Jesus when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, this is my son, the beloved, hear him. The biblical record only contains a few times when the heavens were opened under special circumstances. I think of a few of them. The prophet Ezekiel saw heaven opened, and Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and then John, the revelator. Those all come to mind. And I find it interesting that the word Mark uses here in our text for the rending or the opening of the heavens is the very same word that Matthew uses to describe the rending of the veil in the temple at the time of Jesus' death. So the earthly life and ministry of Jesus were bookended, we might say by special signs of God's approval. And then, as all of this was happening, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. The dove is a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of purity, of innocence. So this was, at least in part, a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Here, in the presence of John the Baptist and the watching crowd, the Holy Spirit visibly anointed Jesus for his role as Messiah. Reading some comments from the early church fathers on this passage was illuminating to me. They compared the descending dove at Jesus' baptism with the dove that Noah released from the ark after the worldwide judgment of the flood. The dove that Noah released illustrated deliverance from the raging waters of judgment. Jesus came to bring us a way to escape the wrath of Almighty God against our sin. Both doves signified the beginning of a new era of peace. Now, I also find it interesting that Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem to inaugurate his earthly ministry. That was the center of religious life of the nation in that time. But just like he had been born in obscurity among the common people of Bethlehem many years earlier, here he was coming to the common people of Judea who needed the confession and repentance that John's baptism symbolized jesus came from nazareth of galilee that was a wrong side of the tracks kind of place you might remember that when jesus was calling his 12 disciples nathaniel said can anything good come out of nazareth sounds like the place had a reputation doesn't it and then in john chapter 7 When Nicodemus was defending Jesus among the other religious leaders, they said, Search and see. No prophet arises from Galilee. The Jewish leaders expected the Messiah to come from Jerusalem, and they expected him to be a king who would free them from the bondage of Rome. And that expectation was so ingrained in them that they ignored the prophecies that told them otherwise. Like the Jewish leaders of that day, You and I have similar prejudices about certain people or certain places. We may assign labels to people based on where they live, or the reputation of their parents, or maybe where their ancestors came from. We know from Jesus' ministry that he didn't do that. He identified with all people. He understood that the human condition is the same all over the world, and so the divine prescription is the same. Now, certainly, this is an interesting record of an event in the life and ministry of Jesus. But if all we do is look at the historical narrative, then we miss so much of what God has for us today. Think about this Do you have God's approbation on your life? Are you willing to fulfill all righteousness, whatever that obedience means in your circumstances? What hardships are you willing to endure? What condescension or humility will you embrace to fulfill God's calling on your life? Paul describes for us in Philippians chapter 2 what Jesus gave up in order to reconcile us to his Father. Now, of course, you and I aren't equal to Jesus, but we're his followers, and he is our example. He's our teacher. Do you sometimes feel like you're a nobody? That your background isn't that great? Maybe you come from an obscure place or from a messy family? Remember, people made accusations about Jesus' family, too. It doesn't matter. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have more true riches than Bill Gates, George Soros, and Elon Musk all put together. Don't forget that just like God prepared the plan of salvation before the world was created, He also chose you at that time to be holy and without blame before Him in love, according to Paul's writings in Ephesians. And his seal of approval on you, his approbation, is the presence of his Holy Spirit. Would God say of you, this is my beloved son? Or this is my beloved daughter? Does he delight in you? Now maybe you can't see how that's possible. But let me read something for you that might help. This is Jesus speaking in John 14 and verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you catch that? Jesus said that if we love and obey him, he and his Father will come and make themselves at home in us. Doesn't that sound like acceptance and delight? I like to travel, and I've been to many different places, but my favorite place to be is, you guessed it, at home. I'm delighted to be at home." If you don't have the assurance that God loves you and delights in you, it will hinder what He wants to do in your life. So the first process needed in preparing the Son of Man for His ministry and us for our ministry is approbation. The next process involved in preparing the Son of Man is His Authentication. But that will have to wait for our next visit because we're almost out of time for today. Make sure you don't miss my teaching next time, here on The Voice of Hope. I am adopted, I'm a child of the King. God is my
0: Father and He owns everything. He walks beside me, He's my very best friend. Praise God, I'll never be lonely again. I'm adopted, hallelujah, I've got a new song. I'm adopted, hallelujah, I finally belong. I've got a brand new family overflowing with love. I'm a child of my Father above. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Joined airs with Jesus as we travel this sun, For I'm part of the family, the family of God. My Father chose me and He loves me, I know he will be with me wherever i go i'll never worry i've joined royalty i am a member of the king's family i'm adopted hallelujah i've got a new song i'm adopted hallelujah i finally belong I've got a brand new family overflowing with love. I'm a child of my Father
1: above.
2: I hope what I presented today has informed and encouraged you. If you'd like to review this teaching or share it with someone, you can request a copy. It's available either in print or as a digital audio file. Just ask for it by its title, Preparing the Son of Man. The easiest way for you to contact us is by using our email address, hope at heraldsofhope.org. Or you can pick up your phone and call us toll-free at 866-960-0292. And of course, you can mail your request to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. You can also review today's teaching or listen to archived programs by logging onto our website, heraldsofhope.org. To help this ministry financially, you can send a check by mail, or you can donate securely online at heraldsofhope.org. You can also call us toll-free at 866-960-0292 to donate with your credit or debit card. God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, will enable the voice of hope to be on the air until Jesus comes in the air. Now don't forget to join me next week for the voice of hope for part two of this teaching, Preparing the Son of Man. And until we meet again, take courage.